this morning. I want to start a new series with you. I want to take you through the Gospel of Mark. Um, I wrote my doctrinal dissertation on the Gospel of Mark and in discipleship, and I believe that it is essential that the church begins to comprehend what a true disciple is. I think we've missed the mark on this, and we really need to understand it, and the Gospel of Mark is written as a discipleship primer, or primer, if you will, uh, uh, a lesson book on how to be a disciple from Mark, and uh, we're going to take the time through the rest of the year to go through this gospel to understand that, but first, I want us to get an understanding of who this young man was, uh, and uh, understand his story, because his story gets integrated into his gospel in the way he arranges it and tells the story. And so we need to know that and have its impact on us. I believe that the Gospel of Mark is an essential uh, gospel. It's known uh, by scholars as the first gospel that was written. Uh, it was written before Matthew, Luke, and John. In fact, Matthew has 90% of Mark's gospel within the content of Matthew's gospel. And Luke has 50% of Mark's gospel within his gospel. They basically used it as a framework for their gospels and to tell the story in their manner. And if you study the gospel of John, you'll see that John seems to play off of the gospel of Mark. And so Mark is the first gospel written. And so what that means is Mark was an essential link in the apostolic chain uh, of the doctrines of the apostles. You had the apostles living from 33 AD after the death of Jesus and ministering around the globe, the 12 going out, teaching the apostles' doctrine, uh, the stories of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and founding the church on those. And they were oral in this presentation because basically you had the people that were there. And, they're in the audience there. It wasn't until about 68 AD that Mark pens the first gospel. That's 30-some years, 35 years or so, where it was oral tradition. If it wasn't for Mark, we wouldn't have that gospel. He's so essential to have written his gospel so that Matthew and Luke and John would write their gospels. It had a powerful impact. And he was essential in that key between the apostolic doctrine and carrying it on into written form for you and I to read. And so Mark is a very important gospel. And Mark, through his life and through his experience, is writing the stories of Peter, if you will. And in it, he's putting his expression of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So let's get to know this guy who was this young man? Uh, where is the first glimpse we have in him? I would say it is found in Mark chapter 14. It's an unusual little statement. It's at the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is praying with his apostles after the Last Supper. They're praying unto the Lord and the soldiers come to take him away. And uh, there's a, a verse in Mark that is not found in Luke, not found in Matthew, and not found in John. Basically, the verse says this, And a young man followed him, who? Jesus, with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, 
but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> you know, what, what has that got to do with anything? I mean, we've got Jesus, and Peter's grabbing a sword and cutting off a soldier's ear, and Jesus is saying, here I am, and John tells us that all the soldiers fall under the weight of the phrase of Jesus saying, it is I, here I am, and Jesus is saying, those who live by the sword will die by the sword, and Mark decides to throw in a story about a kid that runs away naked. <laughs> Grab the sheet, and boom, he's gone. Well, many scholars believe that this was a young Mark, a young man because the Last Supper was held at his mother's house. This young man was well acquainted with the disciples, the apostles, and Jesus, and he went out to see what was going on. But the boy ran away, and that's going to be a theme that plays in his life over and over. I don't know if you've ever had an incident in your life where the devil plays a theme over and over. You may have failed. You may have done something wrong. And isn't it like the enemy to have it replay time and time again? Mark's the kid that ran away. Well, what do we know about him? Acts 12, 12 says this, When Peter was in jail and released, the angel took him out. Peter realized he was free, and he went to the house of Mary the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Do you remember that scene? Peter's free. Angel let him loose. He goes knocking on the door, and uh, Rhoda answers the door and shuts it. They're all there praying for Peter. None of them expected God to do anything. <laughs> Sounds like the church. Peter's knocking again at the door. Hey! But whose house was it? It was Mary, Mark's mother. So what we find is that Peter is well acquainted with that house. That house was a centrally located in Jerusalem house of meeting. It's believed that it was the same house that they had, uh, they met in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It's also quite possible it was the same room that Jesus had his last supper with his disciples at. That's why we had John Mark following them into the Garden of Gethsemane. And here they're at John Mark's mother's house, Mary. And so we go on to find out who Mary was. Uh, Paul says this in Colossians, Articus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, is with me as well. So now we're finding family relation. Mark's mother Mary owns the house that they used to hang out in, and guess who was her brother and Mark's uncle? Barnabas. Uncle Barney was Mark's uncle. It tells us throughout Christian history that Barnabas was a Levite. He was a very wealthy Levite from Cyprus. And the, he, being a Levite, he was in the priesthood. Being Mary's brother, that means that Mark was a Levite as well. And so he was being groomed as a Levite for the priesthood. That's important because it tells us he was an educated young man. He learned to write in Hebrew, probably Greek and Aramaic. He learned to read, and so he was well-educated, growing up in the knowledge of the Levitical priesthood, well-acquainted with Barnabas and the Twelve and Peter. In fact, Peter later in Scripture says, 
She who's at Babylon greets you, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. What does he mean by that? He means that Mark is his spiritual son. Peter mentored Mark. Come on, what kind of company is that? How many of you grew up in church? So you got Mark growing up in his mother's house. She was affluent, living on one of the main streets in Jerusalem among the Levitical enclave of priests in a well-to-do house. We know it's well-to-do because it says Peter went to the front gate of Mary's house. It was a gated house, a wealthy house. And being Levites, he was brought up in the education of Levites. Barnabas is his uncle, who's known as the son of consolation, who was uh, reported to be one of the two up for election to fulfill Judas's spot as an apostle. Matthias got it. But Barnabas goes on as a mentor to many. And so Barnabas is your uncle. And then Apostle Peter brings you into the faith and instructs you and teaches you. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good pedigree. And so it's an amazing story on Mark's upbringing. This is an up-and-coming young man who's going to be used by the Lord. We then see Barnabas, again, the man who mentors and disciples and cares for others. He goes to get Saul of Tarsus, who once got saved, went to minister and went back home to Tarsus, and for years, haven't heard from him, Barnabas remembers him and goes to get him to bring him to the new church in Antioch. Barnabas is bringing Paul on to be reintroduced to the church, and so Paul, or Saul, is with Barnabas at Antioch, and the Holy Spirit says this, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Pretty cool. So they're ready to go on an apostolic mission. They're being sent by the Holy Spirit to do this work on their first mission trip. And they say, this is awesome. Saul is a lawyer, a Pharisee, a great intellect. Barnabas is a compassionate, loving man. They're going to go out on the field. They're going to go minister. And they decide, we need some help. Who do you think we should get to come help us? Barnabas goes, I know a young man. He's really up and coming. This guy, you can tell he's qualified. So they agree and they bring on Mark, John Mark. When they arrived at Salamis, Salamis, uh, they had John to assist them. Now, it's an important understanding. And when you're reading words in the Bible to go to the original language, the language uh, for the New Testament is Greek. And the Greek word for assist Uh, has depth to it you know what does it mean for John Mark to go assist them well he carried the luggage got them their coffee lattes had bottled water for when they spoke it's more than that in fact this very same word to assist or to serve is the same word Jesus said to Paul when he got saved he said Jesus said I am Jesus rise and stand to your feet I have appeared to you for this uh, purpose to appoint you as a servant or assistant and witness to the things which I'm going to show you. So it's a calling. It's not just an errand boy. Mark is going to be there. And the word 
in the Greek has the sense of one who deals with the teachings of Paul and Barnabas. So most believe that he was an assistant for instruction, most likely to instruct new converts in the apostles' doctrine and teaching. Mark would have been one responsible for preserving and passing on the oral tradition of the apostles' doctrine. So Mark, learned in reading and in writing, would have been taking notes and would have been writing down the, the key information that Paul and Barnabas were teaching and preaching to the uh, new converts. And if someone got saved, Mark would have been the one that catechized or discipled and taught them and instructed them in the foundations of the faith. That's awesome. What a great start to a ministry, right? Can you imagine working with Paul and Barnabas? Anybody want to sign up for that? Wow. At first, they were known as Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas was the head. But after the first missionary journey and the first experience they have in Salamis, something happens, something dramatic. When they got into uh, Seleucia and then Cyprus, they met a man named Bar-Jesus, he was a Jewish sorcerer, and he antagonized Saul and Barnabas to such a place where Paul was fed up, and he spoke against the man with such authority and power, it made him blind, freaked him out. Yeah, and the people in the Jewish temple told him, get out of here, the Jews didn't want anything to do with him. Such a confrontation, and then they began to go to the Gentiles. So now they move on, and that's exciting. Boy, there seems to be a door opening up to the Gentiles, so they are ready to go. But something happens. As they go, Paul and his companions came to Perga, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. What happened to John Mark? He's the boy that, what? Ran away. Ran away. He was freaked out. He couldn't handle it. Some speculate because it's after this point, now the team is referenced as Paul and Barnabas, not Barnabas and Saul. So was he upset for his uncle Barney? Was he upset that now Paul's the man in charge and Barnabas is second fiddle? I don't think that would be it at all. Barnabas had no problem mentoring and raising up disciples and training. That wouldn't have been it. Something else happened that caused Mark to run away. He was afraid. When Mark gets afraid, what happens? He runs away. Hmm, sound familiar? When Mark's scared, when he doesn't understand, when he can't comprehend, when he doesn't agree, he runs away. Doesn't that sound like church membership? Do you know how many believers have run away? Do you know how many there are that are at home right now because they, they were afraid or they got hurt? or they got wounded, or they don't understand what happened, and they've stayed away. Not that they've lost their salvation or that they've run away from God, but they've just run and hide. Little Mark ran home to mom. He went back to the familiar. He went back to Jerusalem. Well, how many of you know that didn't sit well with Paul? Paul's one of those guys, if you commit, you better commit nothing wrong with that they're out there on the front lines trying to do the work 
It's interesting, it says that John left them. Later in Acts 15, when Paul's talking about the experience, he uses a word, a very specific word, that says Mark uh, had left them and uh, thought best not to take with them Mark, who had gone with them, who had not gone with them to the work. And the word that Paul uses there, he departed from them, is a word in the Greek that means he is a deserter or an apostate. Pretty strong language. Paul's not cutting him any slack. I don't care if he's young. I don't care if he's inexperienced. I don't care if he was afraid. I don't care if he was scared. I know the power of the God in, in us, the power of the Holy Spirit. Stick through it. But I'll tell you what, we're in an hour and in a day right now where times are changing. And the question to the church is, are you going to stay in this thing or are you going to run away? That little boy ran away naked, fully exposed for fear instead of witness of Christ. And that's what's going to happen in the church, a confrontation. And we've got to stand strong. So what was the dispute about? Well, I'll tell you what it was about. It says that after they finished their first leg of the missions trip, they came back to Antioch, and in Acts 13, 13, it said, Now Paul and his companions set sail, and John Mark left them. It says when they returned, they celebrated for the work that they had done. But something happened between Acts 14 and Acts 15. In chapter 14, you have them finishing up their first missionary journey that Paul deserted, uh, Mark deserted. And then in chapter 15, you have the Jerusalem Council to discuss the gospel being brought to Gentiles. In that time period between their return home and the Jerusalem Council, we have an experience that happened written in Galatians chapter 2. It says this, when Peter came to Antioch, Paul opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men from James, the church in Jerusalem, Peter was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came in, he drew back and separated from the Gentiles, fearing that circumcision party. The rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with Peter so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. That's a deep schism. That's a problem. So Mark was the first to run away because of a problem, and then something happens when they get back to Antioch. Peter comes down to hear the story of what uh, Paul and Barnabas had done out in the Gentile world to hear the stories. Peter's there at the potluck dinner at church going, this is awesome. Gentiles being saved? How about that? I had an experience with Cornelius and he got saved. You guys are wonderful. Just then, the Jewish contingency from Jerusalem and James, the brother of Jesus, his church come in. They all say, you must be circumcised. You can't have a Gentile be saved unless he's circumcised. They come in. Peter sees them and Peter gets nervous and steps back from the Gentiles. And there's such a schism over this issue that even Barnabas, Paul's partner, says, I don't know. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. I think maybe they should be circumcised. Now, you know what Paul did. 
He sat in the corner and said, well, nobody, nobody understands. Not Paul. Little Paul. Publicly, Paul goes up to Peter and rebukes him before everyone in that room. How dare you offend the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can't even carry the burden of the law and yet you would put it on the back of Gentiles. And he rebukes him openly. Obviously, it had a big impact because right in the next chapter, they call the Jerusalem Council. Peter, Barnabas, and Paul all testify that God can save Gentiles. Somebody say amen. That's us. That council, James stands up and says, yes, this is what the Lord said from the book of Amos. The tabernacle of David will be restored to all nations and God is doing this thing. I think in the back row, in the very back, is sitting a young man. Happened to be named John Mark. Because after that meeting, they are commissioned to take this news out to the world. And Paul and Barnabas are ready to go on their second missionary journey. And Barnabas says, you know what? I have an idea. We need an assistant. Why don't we get John Mark to come back with us? Okay? Okay, Paul? Okay? Paul says, that no good deserter, I do not want him here because he couldn't sustain and do the work we were called to do. Barnabas says, come on, Paul, lighten up. He's a young guy. He ran. So what? He made a mistake. I don't have room for mistakes. This is dangerous. We've got to preach the gospel out in the world to people who are against us. We may end up getting shipwrecked or beaten or thronged with pellets and stones and rocks. I need someone dependable. I'm not going with you. Barnabas said, you're going with us and we're bringing Mark. No, I am not. Yes, we are. We're bringing Mark. He's my nephew. I've invested in him. He's a good man. He'll do it. I don't care what you say. He's not going. Do you think they had that kind of an argument in church? It says in Scripture that the argument was so sharp, they parted ways. Wait a minute. This is Paul and Barnabas, the heads of the outreach to the Gentiles, the ones who were called by the Holy Spirit to be together, and somebody divides them. It's Mark. And they split. Paul wants nothing to do with them. Nothing. There must be a reason why, and I'll tell you why. Paul gives us a clue when he says this. He would not have gone with us to do the work. What is the work? Let me help you understand. When they were called Saul and Barnabas, in Acts 13.2, it says this. Separate Saul and Barnabas for what? The work which I have called them to. In Acts 14, they finish their first missionary journey. They come back to celebrate, and the brethren commend them for what? The work that they had fulfilled. What was that work? God opened the door of faith to the nations, to the Gentiles. That was the work. Paul said he's not going with us because he wouldn't go to the work. For some reason, Mark couldn't get it that the gospel was to go to the nations to the gentiles he couldn't handle that he refused it being a levite he he walked away from the gospel going to the gentiles 
That was the issue. What you're going to find in the Gospel of Mark repeatedly is the reference of Jesus going to the Gentiles. It'll show up. Why? Because Barnabas took Mark with him. That's a mentor. You know, Barnabas could have said, sorry, Mark, I, I got to go with Paul. I've been called of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? That Barnabas was willing to give up that call for the sake of restoring a brother. Church, are we willing to restore our brothers and sisters? Do you, mean, you know how many fallen runaways we have? We talk about them. We wonder where they went. wonder what ever happened to that guy. Why don't you call him? Why do you think you came up with the idea? Where are they? God's looking for a Barnabas to go after the marks. Go after the ones that run. This church would be so much stronger if we would go after the ones that have run away. And to care. Barnabas took him. Guess where they go? They go back to Cyprus, the place where Mark ran away. How many of you know sometimes we need someone to take us to the place where the problem started? Walk us through it. Pray us through it. Help us through it. Barnabas did that with Mark. Later on, we see that Mark joins Peter. Peter calls him his son in the faith. He's with Peter as Peter is traveling. He becomes Peter's scribe. All of his talents and abilities, he, he becomes his translator. Church fathers, Papias and others, Tertullian, uh, write that Mark accompanied Peter wherever he went. Peter was the apostle to the Jews. He went wherever he'd go, and he would be his scribe, and he would translate Peter's teachings and writings uh, for Peter. As Peter got older, the saints in Rome asked Mark, the scribe, could you write some of these teachings down for us? Because the apostles are not going to be with us any longer. And so Peter wrote, I'm sorry, Mark wrote his gospel based on the teachings of Peter. The first-hand accounts of Peter. The gospel of Mark is actually the gospel of the apostle Peter. And that's what he wrote. But Mark put it in a creative way. They believe that Mark was actually performed. It wasn't a book that he wrote, although he wrote the book, but it was written so that people would perform or give the speech of the Gospel of Mark. It was written in such a way that it was a dramatic presentation piece. And that's how we're going to take a look at it. But he wrote the Gospel according to St. Peter as he had heard all that Peter had said and all that Peter had done. And he was so essential in writing down this doctrine. That is an amazing thing that God could use Mark to do such a thing. <laughs> Mark ended up being valuable, didn't he? Again, between the apostles' doctrine and the church through the ages, there is a key and essential gospel that was written by John Mark, the one who ran away. God restored him and put him into value for the kingdom of God. Some of you may have failed the Lord. Some of you may have 
run away from your calling in God. Some of you may have had a different experience. You thought you were supposed to be a missionary when all along you were supposed to be a scribe. Some of you had just headed up the wrong avenue and thought you were useless to God. No, God is going to complete what He has begun in you. God is going to help you understand the trajectory you're to be on. Don't run away from the call you have. Some of you have, can remember back at youth camp when you felt that calling on your life, when someone laid hands and said, God has something for you, but you went another way and you ran away after you had failed God. But God is going to restore that vision. God is going to bring you back to the position that you need to be in. A failure, a deserter, a slow learner, a fearful man. God takes everyone and uses them to his beauty and perfection. What's so beautiful about this story is at the end of Paul's life, as he is sitting in prison in Jerusalem, he writes Timothy and he says this, Luke is the only one left with me, but go get Mark. And bring him with you, for he is very useful for my ministry. Come on. This is from the mouth of the man that said, I don't want anything to do with this guy. What happened? Barnabas restores the young man. Peter trains the young man. And brings back together a broken relationship where Paul says, he's very useful to me. Why? Because he's a scribe. He's a translator. And this has all come in Mark. As Mark is writing his gospel, he's writing because of what Barnabas did for him. He's writing from what he heard about Jesus from Peter. He's learning about the gospel to the nations from Paul. And he's putting all of that into the gospel of Mark. For you and I to have. Because once a deserter, once rejected by Paul, is now useful to the man. God will restore relationships that were once busted, once broken. God is making you valuable again. You matter to God. I don't care how many times you've run away from God. God hasn't left you. You may have left your covering behind, run away naked from God, but God's coming after you to clothe you again like the prodigal putting his garments around you and restoring you back in position. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark is going to tell us what it really means to be a disciple. It's not easy. It will cost you everything. It's so hard you may be afraid. You may fail, but God is going to work through your life. We've made being a disciple of Jesus something you do on Sunday mornings. Something you do for 10 minutes in a devotional every day. Something you do now and then at a church project. That is not a disciple of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus follows their master 24-7. Serves him as a slave to his rabbi and ministers to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is time that the church becomes discipled once again. We need to know what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus because this is the hour we can't have the young believers running away 
We need you here. We need you now. We need you on the field. And God is going to take the church and bring her back into the full position of being disciple makers.